0: Come on. We like that. Rocky. That's right. I got my gloves on today, so it's hard to turn the pages of the Bible, but, uh, but we'll get there. No, Rocky is, is one of those great films of all time that gets us excited. It gets us pumped up. I love that scene in there, especially where he's jumping and running and training because he's not in the super fit gym thing. He's just out among the people and he's running and he's training. He's doing it. And I love that the people are gathering up behind him. They're cheering him go Rocky, rah, rah, all this stuff. And, and he's not just fighting for himself. He's he's fighting for the city. Like all the people love him and they're cheering for him and even the little kids, like, Rocky! Oh, this is great. And, and it's fantastic. I love it because he's fighting for the city, which is exactly what we're going to be doing next Saturday. We get to go put our gloves on and fight for the city. We get to fight for the hearts of the people in our community, whether it's work gloves, paint gloves, whatever it is we need to put on. We get to go fight for their hearts next Saturday. And that's just an awesome privilege to do it. I remember when I went on a mission trip when I was in college to Kazakhstan, and this was before the fall of the communism and all the stuff that took place. A matter of fact, it happened right after I left. I, coincidence? I don't think so. But um, but we were there, and and we were in Almaty, which is the capital city of Kazakhstan, and and they were having movie night for the kids, and they invited us to come. There were seven college students that got to go on this trip, and, and we were there. And they're showing Rocky when he fought the Russian. And, and, and they're having their, their big fight and all this kind of stuff. Now, this is in Kazakhstan, and so we're there, and they start showing that. And all of the kids, Rocky, Rocky. I mean, they're getting fired up about Rocky. I'm like, don't you live in this place? And like, no, we don't like the Russians. We're Kazakhs. We don't. That's like coming to America, calling everybody a Texan. It's great when you're in Texas. I don't fly so much in other places, right? And so it was. It's interesting to watch that 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 the impact that Rocky has because he was a fighter that we can relate to. I mean, he's a fighter that 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 can get after it and do these things. And I want to grab some information for us today here. And so if you have your Bibles, that's good. We'll get to them in a second. I'm going to figure this out. There we go. So Robin Brenninger will make fun of me for my stance. I'm sure later. Uh, and how I stood there, but I got my pink gloves too, ladies. See, so I, here we go. Um, so we have us now, let me ask this question. How many of you have ever gotten into a fight? Uh, like, I don't want to raise my hand. First rule of fight club. You don't talk about fight club, right? Like, I, so I, I mean, I get that that's kind of how that is right there, but I will, I will just admit this to you right here because fighting is, is more real than we think it is. And, and we have glorified it with MMA and boxing and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is we're fighting fights all the time. And in the last month, since Amy and I shared our story here, uh, number one, thank you for the encouragement and the support that you've given us. And the love has been amazing for that. But the second piece of that is I will tell you how stinking frustrated I am about hearing how many people are getting beat up. I am tired of hearing stories of people losing to the enemy. I'm tired of it. It's, it's breaking my heart to see the enemy have more victory than he should in this thing. And, and, and I know we read the end of the book, right? And we win in the end. So it's great. But can I argue this? I don't believe that God created us to lose all the fights leading up to the end of the war. I don't think it's supposed to be, well, I just get all beat up and then I just I go to heaven. I have the greatest comeback ever and I get a spank journey in heaven. No, we were created for more than that. He came to give us life and life abundantly. And life abundantly does not mean getting your tail kicked all the time. Like, I I believe that with all my heart, but we've created this culture and mentality almost that we expect to lose more than we expect to win when it comes to things of spiritual nature. And I think that's wrong for us to have that. I mean, the Bible says we're more than conquerors and victory is ours and greater is he that is is in me than he that's in the world. Then why are we losing so often if that's true? Why are we walking in defeat? I think we need to learn how to fight. And that's why I have the boxing glove. That's why I played Rocky. It's going to. We're ready to fight. We're ready to go. I would wear the gloves if I could, but I can't turn the pages with them for that. Because I believe we were all created to win. The first thing we need to recognize is this, is who our enemy is. See, because it's not our spouse. And it's not our kids. And it's not the other side of the political aisle. It's not the team we're playing against on Friday night. It's not the people we argue with on Facebook, because that's going to change their mind. And we spend all of our time fighting battles we're never supposed to be in. And in the meantime, we're getting our tail kicked in the battles we're supposed to be fighting. Can I challenge us today that we need to look at how to fight like Jesus? Well, Jesus doesn't fight. Blessed are the peacemakers. No, Jesus had some righteous anger up in him, too. And and I want to look at what I think is the greatest fight that was ever fought. Literally the heavyweight championship of the world. Now, it's not the Thrilla in Manila. It's not Buster Douglas in Tokyo. It's not... Mike Tyson chewing on Evander Holyfield's ear. Those aren't the greatest fights that ever happened. The greatest fight that ever happened was, was literally the heavyweight championship of the world, and it's in Matthew chapter 4. So you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to go round by round and take a look at this situation and kind of understand it together. It's a, it's a three-round fight that took place. And so Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, we'll jump in and get going with that. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. All right. We meet the opponents in this heavyweight battle. One is Jesus and son of God around 30 years old, trained in a carpenter's gym in Nazareth, right? He's got some rugged hands. In the other corner, we have the devil. Well, he also has his fighting names because everybody has a nickname in fighting, right? So his is what? The roaring lion, the serpent. Like these are things that he would be called, right? And so we have the, the combatants that are there. We know who they are. We have Jesus, the son of God. We have the devil, the, the tempter, the, the roaring lion, the serpent that's all there. And now we get to see how they trained for this. Uh, verse two, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, Jesus was not exactly at his physical peak to step into this battle right here. There was not a training regimen that most trainers would say, Please don't eat for 40 days and then go have the biggest fight of your life. Like, that's probably not the way we need to do it and not recommended. But what it does, it gives us an opportunity to recognize our own weaknesses. Like, well, I'm, I'm weak because I'm out of shape or I'm weak because of this. No, no, no. It's not weaknesses in skill level. It's weaknesses in your circumstances. And let me explain. I was, learn, I was taught. Um, in counseling, uh, as Amy and I were going through our battle, uh, this acronym that I think is super helpful. And they're going to put it on the screen. It says HALT-B is what it is. And maybe you've heard of this before, um, but HALT-B is there. And let me explain what that is and kind of unpack it for a second. Because whenever you are in this situation, you know, you're super susceptible to getting beat by the enemy. And it, it, maybe I am, maybe I'm the only one, but I don't think so. I think this is true of all humans. So you look at it. HALT-B. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored. Those five things, if you will look at times in your life when you've been the most beat up, when you've been the most defeated, you were probably hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored, or some combination of that. And we gotta, we gotta check these gauges that we have in our, these are real life gauges that we can look at. They aren't some super spiritual thing out there and we have to take some test to figure it out. No, these are real life stuff that we go through all the time. And we gotta check these gauges, but so often we treat our spiritual life like we treat our own cars. The check engine light comes on and we just ignore it. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Or we put a picture over it on the dashboard so we don't see it, right? But then it's not really there. And then we get mad and frustrated when the car breaks down. Hello, you were warned. You knew what was going on. You knew what was there. But we ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it until it finally falls apart. And then we get frustrated and mad when it's really on us. So let's take a look at this thing that's here to understand. So this halt B, Hungry. You recognize that. We just got to eat right. Not that I'm one to talk about that. I know you look at me and go, okay, you're right. Starts with me. I get it. But your diet matters. What you put in matters. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, with your eyes. What you put in matters. And when if you are allowing yourself, well, I'm too busy to eat, I don't have time to eat, I I don't know, my identity isn't how I look so I need to skip meals. No, you're susceptible to attacks of the enemy anyway. Eat right. Angry. Anger's a choice. Choose joy. Why can't we just choose joy? I mean, Scripture says, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance, so that God may finish his work in you, and that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. He gives us that to choose joy, but he gives us the choice to do it. But we'd rather walk around in our anger. We'd rather walk around in our victim mentality. We'd rather walk around and say, that's not fair. That's not right. And we get upset about it, and we let our anger lead us, and that leads us into trouble, and we get beat we've got to understand that we can choose joy in that. Does that mean hard times aren't going to come? No, they're going to come. But you get to choose how you respond to them. That is something you can control. Number three, lonely. I'll admit there's times we feel lonely, but I will challenge you this. You're never alone. Jesus said he'll never leave you or forsake you. He will be with you at all times. So you may feel lonely, but you're never alone. And I would also push you to a thing that who are you having a covenant relationship with with accountability? Who is it that you're saying, let's ask the hard questions. Let's talk about what's going on in life instead of instead of walking around isolated. And and that's not how we were meant to be like this. This Christian life wasn't meant to be lived alone. It's meant to be lived in community, in family, in together. Who is it that you're talking to? But we decided to hide it. We try to cover it up and be we just want to be what I am. And I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'll suck it up and be good and I'll be fine. No, share this stuff. When we allow this isolation to come in and we get lonely in that. I watched my wife for six years. You heard that. She was drowning by herself and I didn't even know. She wouldn't reach out to anybody. Are we that prideful that we can't be safe places for each other in the body of Christ? Are we not in relationship enough where we can speak heart to heart to one another and be okay with not being okay? And say, I I need help. I need prayer. I need someone to walk through this with me. I can't fight on my own right now. My arms are tired. Let's go fight together. That's what the body of Christ is for. It's not loneliness in there. So check yourself when you get isolated. Then it goes into tired. Well, that's on you. Turn off the dang TV. Turn off video games. Turn off the screens. We become addicted to them. I've got to see the final score. I've got to watch the last game. I've got to watch. And we get so driven by this that we lose sleep over it. But when you're tired, you're susceptible Get some rest. Mark has challenged us for years, and he's done it to the big church as well as the staff, to say worship starts on Saturday night. It doesn't start Sunday morning. How you prepare Saturday night absolutely defines how your Sunday morning worship experience will be. And you're going to bed at 2 in the morning and getting up and sliding into church. You can slide out of church. No wonder you don't get anything out of it. Are we preparing ourselves on Saturday night? Are we getting the rest? Are we praying? When was the last time you prayed for your pastor on Saturday night that God would use him on Sunday morning? I thank God that there's people that walk circles around these chairs every Saturday night praying for us. But we need, we need prayers, your pastors. We pray for you. Pray for us. Don't be, don't be tired in that. Uh, and then the last one was bored. See, I think bored is an attitude, not a place. Because the fight isn't coming, it's here. It, it's not something along those lines, and we have to be ready. So you're either gonna make excuses or you're gonna make a difference. Because people that wanna make a difference don't get bored. So if you're bored, then you're making excuses and it's time to make a difference. Well, what do you mean make it? Well, we got kids at blue bonnet that need to be read to. We got kids church happening right now. We'd love to have you join that team. You got love the rock on Saturday. I mean, you're not lacking for opportunities to make a difference. But too often we default to making excuses and we've got to stop that. Halt B. We've got to get rid of that. Now we get onto the fight. So here we go. Round one, the devil takes the first punch because he always does. Verse three. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. All right, he recognizes that Jesus is in a tough spot right here, right? He recognizes that he's hungry. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. Probably a little little famished in this spot right here. So he's going to come at him in that. Please know the devil is watching your game film, right? He's not stupid. Now, I didn't say he was smart either, but he's not stupid. He recognizes, oh, they're hungry, they're angry, they're lonely, they're tired, they're bored. Now let's go attack. It's not like you can hide that from him. It's not like you can pretend yourself out of those things. Either you are those things or you aren't. And the enemy's watching and he's going to come against you in those moments right there. He recognized that Jesus was in a weak moment. See, we think that Jesus and the devil are from two different places, right? They're from different sides of the track, different sides of the hood, different sides of whatever. They're not. They were roommates for a long time. Don't forget that. They knew each other well. Jesus was hungry, dare I say, hangry. Some of you have been there. It's like the Snickers commercial. You're not yourself when you're hungry, right? You turn into something different. My, my loving and caring wife has this issue. Um, there are many times on Sundays when I do not leave fast enough for us to get to our lunch and she becomes hangry and is no longer capable of being a caring mother and wife. And I know there are consequences coming soon and action must be taken in that um, that's there. But here's the deal. The enemy is counting on you making decisions out of desperation and not out of understanding. And when we get hungry in that, like Jesus was hungry, he's counting on, he's desperate to satisfy himself. So I'll, let me throw these things out here too. Let me do Because he will make a decision out of desperation, and those are wrong choices. We make a decision out of understanding because we know what God wants for us. He has the best for us, but we get caught up in ourselves and get selfish in that. So here's how Jesus responds in this. Verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's, this is hilarious to me. You don't tempt the bread of life himself with stale dinner rolls. And that's what he's doing. Now, if that was me, I'd be like, bro, I am the bread of life. You offer me rocks? What are you, dumb? Like, I would not be a good Jesus um, My sarcasm would kick in and I would be a complete jerk in that. But Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He reminded him what really matters. It's not temporary satisfaction, but permanent nourishment. And the word of God gives us everything we need for that. This needs to be part of our everyday diet. It's not just a book that we read and we say "Ah, we're eating this thing. This is the bread of life that we get the opportunity to consume and it fills and it satisfies. But we've got to be willing to take that in. We've got to be willing to eat the bread of life. But we're so drawn in by the things of the world that we don't always do that. And then here comes round two, verse five. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now, this is two times in a row that he has questioned who Jesus is. If you are the Son of God, turn the rocks into bread. If you're the Son of God, throw yourself off of this high peak. If that's who you really are. He knew who he was. He wasn't fooling anybody in that situation. But he was counting on Jesus in his weakened state that he would respond out of fear or he would respond out of trying to prove who he was. And how many times do we do that? That's a tactic the devil is still using on a regular basis and he's counting on fear winning the day. That's what he's counting on for us. You see, fear is counting on us forgetting who Jesus is. Like Jesus would forget who himself is. Not necessarily going to work with him, but it sure works on us. And we get afraid and we forget who Jesus is. Faith reminds us who we are in Christ. So is fear going to win the day or is faith going to win the day? But he's counting on fear winning the day. When we know who we are, then we know that we are taken care of. When we forget who we are, then we're susceptible to the enemy. Never forget who you are. You're a son or daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That makes you a prince and a princess, a holy nation, royalty set apart for great things. It's not my opinion. That's what God said you were. Not based on your circumstances. Not based on what you've been through. Not based on what's been done to you. Based on what's been done for you. And he died for you. And he said, I created you in my image. And you may look in the mirror and not see that, but I see Jesus in you. And we can walk in the confidence of who we are in Christ. Man, it gives us the confidence to walk into these battles and not walk in fear, but we walk in faith. And then he threw scripture at him. Do you notice that? The enemy's throwing scripture at him. Because that'll get him right there. So he quoted, it's Psalm ninety-one, eleven and 12 is what he said in there. He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Prove who you really are. Does God really mean those words? Jump off and prove it. Prove that your dad is right. Prove that what's going on with that. But what he did is he conveniently left out verse 13 of Psalm 91. He just threw 11 and 12 out there to him. So let's look at what 13 says because he said all those things. Then verse 13 says... You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Hmm. The roaring lion, the serpent. That's his fighting names already because he proved it in the garden as a little snake. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. No, no, no. The very next verse. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. He's been defeated. He knows he's been beat, but he's not going to let you know that he knows that. So he's going to throw other things at you. He's going to make you think that he's a winner. He's going to make you think that, oh, God needs to prove himself. God has nothing to prove in that moment. But the enemy's trying to bait him into it. He's trying to goad him into doing this thing. We must be careful about believing twisted words and out-of-context scriptures. This book was written in context for us. It was written a long time ago, but it's relevant today. It has not changed. It is fantastic. It is trustworthy. It is solid. It is worth standing on. And the enemy tried to twist it and throw it at him he says, see, again, I would have been a terrible Jesus. I would have gone, let's go verse 13, bro. I'm going to step on your head. That's what I would be wanting to do. I would be wanting to do. It tells me right here I'm going to crush you. Like, that would be awesome right there. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus answered him in verse 7 and says this. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, the devil's picking a fight against the son of the guy that already knocked him out once when he knocked him out of heaven. It's not our job to test God. It's our job to trust God. But we want to test because we think of ourselves first. He's already proven that he's worthy of our love and affection and trust. You see, he sees the big picture while we see one piece of the puzzle of the picture. And then we think we know best based on the one puzzle piece. He's like, I got the whole picture. Trust me. I'm going to take care of you. This is going to be okay. We need to stop wasting our time and God's time by telling him we know better than him. We've got to stop that. We've got to stop believing the lies of the enemy and get busy with what he's already told us to do. See, we don't have time to doubt who He is or who we are if we're busy following what He's told us to do. He gave us a top ten list. We can start there. I tell our students all the time, you want to hear God twice, obey Him once. He owes you no other conversation once He's given you instruction. Obey it. He'll speak again. you want to hear Him twice, obey Him once. Let's walk in the confidence of who He is and what He's done for us and not our defeats. Not what we can't do, but what He can do. And just for the record... The angels are coming later. It's not like they got ignored in this thing. Command your angels. to The angels are coming. They got their time. Round three, verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Greed. He's counting on us being greedy. He's counting on us being selfish. We live in a culture that tells you to get all you can, whatever it takes, get more stuff. See, the lust of the eyes is a real thing and not just pornography. We have this nasty habit of comparison. Right. Who has the bigger car, house, bank account, number of followers on Twitter, likes on social media, whatever. But it all comes with a price. What we want comes with a price. What will it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? So my question to us is, who has your affection and loyalty today? because he said in that scripture right there, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Now, in that context, he's talking about himself. Jesus, you need to bow down and worship me, Satan. That's what you need to do. But that me can be replaced with anything. And a lot of times in our culture, that me is replaced with me. Because we're too busy bowing down to ourselves to bow down to God. Because we put our agenda on his throne over him on his throne. And we've got to be super careful about this. Now, we would never say that. But we think it so often. And really, if we're being straight honest about this, Satan doesn't care what you worship as long as it's not God. It can be yourself. It can be sports. It can be money. It can be your spouse. It can be kids. It can be whatever. But if it's not God, it's an idol. And then he's happy because you're worshiping something other than the true God. And we give in to that temptation. Get this. I'll give you this. Hey, if you just do this, if you just have more, if you just have this, and we crave the more of this earth, which is so crazy on this. It's funny to me because as adults we laugh when little kids get upset about, getting home, about not getting home with a piece of junk toy that's going to break before we get there, right? We get frustrated with that. But we turn around and get upset that we didn't get the job raised, spot on the team, boyfriend, girlfriend opportunity that we wanted. And I'll tell you what, all of those things have the exact same value as that toy. They don't last in eternity. And so we get upset about these things because we're older because these things are more valuable. We should make them more valuable when they're not. Nothing is more valuable than God himself. He is the one worthy of our worship and our praise. I'll tell you this, a person wrapped up in themselves makes a very small package. And we think we're a whole lot bigger and better than we really are. In humility, consider others better than yourself. That's where we're supposed to walk in this stuff. That's where we're supposed to have this stuff that's going on with us. And so Jesus answers him. With very much clarity in this moment. I love it. Because finally he's gotten to this point. He says, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. Like this is our first time we get an exclamation point. The rest time it's a period. Like now he's raising his voice. I'm like, yeah, I can get on board with that right there. Away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See, Jesus got his enough point. He's tired. He's hungry. He's annoyed. And he ain't playing no more. Not today, Satan. This is not going to happen in my house. The devil is trying to tempt him with what he already owns. How dumb is that? It's just ridiculous. How can you give something you don't have to someone who already has it? But that's what he's doing right here. See, all this stuff, I will give it to you. Like, bro, my dad owns it. He made it. See, again, my sarcasm would kick in. I was like, ah, you're a moron. Like, this is how I would respond. And Jesus is doing all this stuff. And and the thing is, we fall for the empty promises of the enemy when we have all the promises of God. Why? Why do we fall for the empty promises of the enemy when we have all the promises of God? Number one, because we don't even know all the promises. And number two, we don't believe that we're worthy of them. And that's just a lie from the pit of hell. You'll never be worthy of them. God has given them to you already. They're free for our using. We are to worship the Lord our God and serve Him only. When we fight with people, our focus is on ourselves and our goal is for me to win. When we fight with a real enemy, our focus is off ourselves, and our goal is to help others win. See, we see it when natural disasters happen. We get floods and hurricanes and 911. Now all of a sudden we rally together, and political doesn't matter, and race doesn't matter, and all that doesn't matter. All of a sudden we have this common enemy that we can fight, but we won't do that on a spiritual level. Because we're not like them, and you're not like me, and that's not the same as me. And we get all upset, and we start fighting with our spouse, and fighting with our kids, and fighting with the things we're never supposed to fight with. Because we're fighting the wrong enemy that's there. We must remember who our enemy is. Now, many people will say that Jesus was great at deflecting or avoiding the punches of the enemy, that he was defensive in all this. Like, you know, he, he's there boxing with him, and he's like, Hey, man, if you're, gonna, you're hungry, so why don't you turn these stones into bread? And he's like, Nope. Man only, man only eats out of the, the word of God, man. We don't live on, on by bread alone, you know. And he's dodging these punches and he does this three times. He's dodging these punches. I would say that's absolutely not wrong. I would say Jesus was on the offensive. And if we're going to learn to fight like Jesus, then we must watch and learn how he did it. Well, I can't fight like Jesus. I'm not him. I'm not perfect. I can't do it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be Jesus to fight like Jesus. See, we make that excuse all the time. I, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. Excuses. Are you going to make excuses? Or are you going to make a difference? Because people that make excuses get bored and get beat. And people that make a difference get busy and win. And it's time for us to do that right there. And Jesus didn't do anything in this fight that we are not able to do just as well. Whoa, really? Yeah. Let me tell you why. He used three words that we have full access to. Every time the devil showed up and started talking to him, he got on the offensive and he said this, It is written. Every one of those was a punch in the face of Satan. Every single time, Jesus wasn't deflecting or moving or being on the defensive at all. Everything the enemy does is defensive, because what does he say? He told Peter, "On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail." What is gate? What is hell's weapon? Is gates? That's defensive. It's not even offensive. Everything he does is defensive because he knows he's beaten. He's just trying not to die. So he's acting like a roaring lion when he's not even one. He's been stepped on. He's been crushed. He's been defeated. And we have access to that right here. It is written. Boom! That's a punch to the face. It is written. Boom! It's another punch to the face. And that's what we have access to. Like, well I don't know enough about the Bible. Well then start learning it. Quit making excuses and get into it. Read this thing. You've got these promises that are there. And they're all for us. And we've got to take advantage of them right there. It says in the Scriptures, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against God. You want the greatest weapon you have? It's right here. But you've got to hide it in your heart. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's in you. We've got that. Thy word have I hid in my heart. What's the last verse you memorized for a situation that you're dealing with? What's going on with that? I mean, I I challenge our students all the time because I'm so tired of their generation and your generation just hides it better. But this generation that's dying in pornography and I'm tired of it, I'm tired of that losing battle. Job 31.1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Hide that in your heart so that you don't sin against God. Pull that out whenever you're tempted to do that. Put on the boxing gloves. You can't even do keys on the computer. And then you go, not today, Satan. It is written. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustily at a girl. And I'm not going to because I'm going to honor my wife. I'm going to honor my husband. I'm going to honor the people in my life. If your house is on fire, you dial 911. If your hormones are on fire, you dial 311. Job 31 1. Hang on to the truth of God's word, make it come alive. It's living and breathing. It's active and sharper than any double edged sword. This thing is effective, but we set it as a nice decoration piece. Hide it in your hearts. That's what a WANA is all about. Am I right, Brent? It's hiding God's Word in their heart, not so they can get a prize that will break, so that they have a weapon that will destroy. That's why we do it, am I right? I mean, come on, we got to get excited about this stuff. We've got to put on the gloves of God's Word and do damage against the enemy instead of taking all these unnecessary punches. I'm tired of us losing battles we should never lose because we put our defenses down because we set this down. This has got to be there. We've got to jump into God's Word and love it and hide it in our heart. I actually have footage. No one actually knows this, this actually happened. But I have footage of this actual fight between Jesus and Satan. There, there was technology around apparently at that time. I was able to find access to it. And in this video clip that you're about to see, it's good stuff. Satan actually is the one with the long hair. We always think Jesus is the one with the long, flowing hair. Satan is the one with the long hair in this video. Here's their fight. Turn the stones in the bread. Come on. Throw yourself off. Do all that stuff. It is written. Boom. One shot and he goes down. It is written. That's all it took. Man, he's going to come and jump around and do all these things and try to get you all impressed and get you all distracted. Get all this stuff and flip and flop and do all this kind of stuff. But when he comes, it is written. Boom. One shot. He goes down. But are we willing to fight like Jesus. Are we willing to realize that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world? And he's not supposed to win. He was never created to win. He was kicked out of heaven because he couldn't win. But yeah, we give him dominion. We give him power that he doesn't. He's around like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He's been defeated. He's the serpent, but he has been crushed. Where the first Adam in the garden could not crush him like he was supposed to, the second Adam, when Jesus showed up, stepped on his head and crushed him on the cross. See, victory is ours. He crushed his head and gave us victory, and we've got to choose to walk in that victory. And he hit him with three times. It is written. Boom. It is written. Boom. It is written. Boom. And then what happened in verse 11? Then the devil left him. Mm-hmm. And the angels came and attended him. It's the body of Christ being the body of Christ. I'm not saying we'll never get hit. I'm not saying we won't have difficult times. But dang it, don't go isolate by yourself and think you're defeated because you're not. Let's join together. Let's lock arms to do this because it says we are never alone. And the angels did come. And then it says in James, draw near to God in his word and in prayer and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee. That's another promise in God's word. But you can't claim it if you don't know it. You can't claim the promises you have unless you know the promises that you've been given. I would never get a gift at Christmas and leave it sitting under the tree all year long long, and never unwrap it. I want to unwrap it because it's been given to me and I want to use it. All these promises in God's word have been given to you and we leave them wrapped up when we need to be claiming them. And we can do that. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee. These are promises that we can claim and do that. Paul said it and I'll challenge us with this at the end here uh, for that. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Paul said this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He's fought the good fight. If I could put anything on my tombstone, I'd love for it to say that. Here's Alan. He was a moron, but he fought a good fight. As best as he could. It's time to start fighting the good fight instead of the bad fight. I'm tired of us losing because we're so tired from bad fights that we can't fight the good fight against the real enemy. And I don't know what you need to do in response to that. I don't know how you need to respond. But I know this altar is a pretty powerful place where God can do some mighty things if we will come and kneel before Him. If we will get on our knees and pray before God and claim the promises in His Word, you will walk in more victory than you could ever imagine in your life. We weren't made to walk in defeat. We were made to walk in victory. But we got to put the gloves on. We've got to do the work. You've got to get in the gym. Here's your gym. The heavy bag is not going to just sit there and hit you. You've got to hit it. And it makes you stronger. Does it hurt sometimes? Yes, it hurts sometimes. I'm sure it didn't feel good for Jesus. He wanted to go eat something. But he had to say, it is written, it is written, it is written. Let those three words be powerful for you. Let them be your punches when the enemy comes against you. I'm going to ask the band to come up here. And we're just going to let you respond however you want to respond. And I don't know what that looks like. But like I said, there's some people here that are going to be up there, up front. We call them the prayer warriors that are here. And you're like, Alan, I'm tired. I can't even lift my arms. I've been so beat up. Things are tough. Let someone else come lift your arms for you. Good night. Aaron and her had to do that for Moses so they could win a battle. He held his arms up. But let these people pray over you. That's what they're here for. Come to the altar and get busy with God right here. And come pick up your gloves and say, time to fight. I'm going to go fight the good fight now. I'm not going to fight the bad fight anymore. I'm going to fight the good fight. Let's go fight it together. Let's share stories of victory. But when you're walking in the struggles, let's share those two and not isolate. Let's do what we need to do to be who God created us to be and fight like Jesus.